It's Tuesday the 19th of December and you're listening to the Women's Football Talk Podcast. Intriguing drama that leaves you a whole load of talking points. Sounds like another weekend in the WSL if you ask me. How are we all then? You are listening to the Women's Football Talk Podcast. Can you believe it's Christmas next week? I know, man. Just come around quickly. Literally for us, as time recording, we're exactly a week away from Christmas. It's mental. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you've asked for specifically? Just, just wondering. <laughs> I don't know. It's just come to my head. That's not in my notes or, or anything. No, nothing particular. I mean, just gift cards usually nowadays. The older <laughs> I get, I'll yeah. end up buying stuff myself later on in the year. The lazy approach. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is. Yeah. But hey, if there was certainly one thing that some Tottenham and Liverpool fans wanted as an early present, it was wins over their biggest rivals. And both managed to achieve that in the process. We'll start first, I think, Tottenham. They beat Arsenal 1-0 at the Tottenham Stadium. Martha Thomas scoring the only goal. And what a goal it, it was as well. Before we discuss that, though, what were your thoughts on the game overall? Uh, yeah, I think it was a good North London derby. Um, Arsenal obviously dominated most of the possession and shots. I mean, I'm just looking here. They had 31 shots to Tottenham's five and eight on target to Tottenham's three. But I just, I don't know, there was something really missing from Arsenal. And you could see quite early on, it wasn't going to be their day with their chances that they were getting, but not really testing uh, Barbara Votikova too much. Yeah, well, those disappointing games again, from an Arsenal standpoint, which they haven't had for a little while, given their winning run that they've been on. That obviously has now come to an end. It's been finished by their local rivals of all teams as well. You know, a side that for a long time, Arsenal have been, they've beaten them quite comfortably. Yeah. I don't know. The more I was watching that game, I was like, what is going on with Arsenal here? This doesn't seem like the same Arsenal we saw a week ago when uh, they absolutely destroyed Chelsea. It just looked like a completely different side. Yeah, but... and. It's so weird when you watch them because they have all the chances. Like 31 shots in this match in particular, they were just not clinical. There wasn't a ruthless mm. edge again to what they were doing. You know, very different to what we saw a week ago, you could say. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they looked ruthless against Chelsea. And then this week, every chance they got, whether it was uh, Alessia Russo, uh, in the first half, um, Vivian Miedema, when she came on, like they just couldn't get clean connections on any of their chances. And they just, I don't know, it was really strange. Sluggish, I think yeah. I could describe it as. They, they lacked, lacked any conviction in a lot of the chances they were taking and it's a result that they're going to look back on in the future with a lot of regret because they've, They've missed out on the title because of it, yet again, potentially. And, they, and they've slipped down in the table as well because yeah. of how Manchester City got on this weekend. So it's one of them where, you look, you like you said, you could be looking at this at the end of the season. They could miss out on another title, potential Champions League 
place in like the extra game you have to play because of a third place team compared to um, second place or even obviously finishing first, you'd potentially go straight into the group stages. It's not something Jonas Odebell's side need. And it, it just felt really strange, like the seven days contrast, or even the three, four days contrast from when they played each other in the Conti Cup in midweek. Arsenal looked the much better side in that, obviously eventually winning on penalties, despite how well Jessica Naz played in that Conti Cup game. So this one, they just, it was so weird. But I mean... Credit to Barbara Votikova. I mean, uh, hasn't started much this season in the competitions uh, because obviously how well Rebecca Spencer has been playing, but she did really well in this one. Yeah, big chance for her in this one. She played in midweek when the two met in the Conti Cup as well, made a few good saves in that one. And Robert Villaham afterwards was talking about how they use that game as always practice in a way. Yeah, and yeah, practice paid off because they won this game. And what is it harsh to say they deserved it? You've got to take your chances when they throw into you. I mean, it was really their one main attack in that game when uh, Celine Bizet attacked down that right hand side before playing the ball to Martha Thomas, and they obviously could have got a second deep in stoppage time that would have one hundred percent killed off the game, but. It is one of them where you take the chances you get in front of you and Spurs did that exactly. Yeah. The style of play was always tinkered with a little bit. Did it seem like they were more, well, they tried to be more compact because it felt like they were Mm. a bit deeper this time. They weren't being as risky as they had been in the last two games where they obviously conceded 11 goals in those two games. Yeah. And then obviously they had to make an early change because of uh, Luana Bueller going off due to an injury with uh, Amy Turner coming on in her place. And then obviously Beth England only playing 45 minutes uh, with Jessica Naz coming on in a, at half time. So it seemed like a more, like he, Robert Wilhelm seemed to know what he wanted from his Spurs team in this game. And I think, like you say, that midweek game seemed perfect scouting opportunity for him as to how we'd set up in the more meaningful league game against Arsenal. Yeah, and I can add more on the Jessica Naz substitution now because we've got to talk about this goal. If you've not seen, if you've not seen it, then I would absolutely say go and check it out because it's it's just a fantastic goal. This if we if we if a Manchester City do this, and I'm in a men's Manchester City team, like Barcelona in their prime. Mm. We're going on about this for years. Oh, oh 100%. This goal is class. 13 passes, starting all the way from Votikova to then being scored by Martha Thomas. A sublime team goal. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, like I said, a lot of the credit uh, towards the end would go to um, Celine Bizet, but Martha Thomas seems to have found a bit of her shine again, obviously managed to get a goal against Arsenal in midweek, then this one as well. It's just, it's good to see her getting her confidence after a bit of a purple patch. I thought she was very good in this game, but for me, in this whole goal, the best part is actually Jessica Nass because yeah. she just makes this run right in between the defence, drags lots of Wuben Moy with her, and then there was all this space because of how badly Arsenal have defended or the, their press was just all levels of wrong. And 
Martha Thomas can run into that gap and then get on the end of Celine Bizet's pass across, and then it's a goal. Mm. You see, people, I feel like there was the odd person that was trying to claim Zinsberger should have done better, where it's like your whole team was just open. Yeah. They got carved open while these Tottenham play. I mean, I saw a picture after the, the game of that moment where you saw all that space for Martha Thomas to walk into to slot the ball away. And you're like, that is just really bad defending from Arsenal in that situation. It all starts about really looking at the clip fully. Amanda Illistet just deciding to go and press Grace Clinton mm-hmm. when she picks up the ball. But then by the time she's got to her, the ball's already to Martha Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> and Illistet is then having to track back. And she's, she's never going to get there in time. No. And it was clear she'd only just got there once the shot had already happened. It was, it was too much space left. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's been the way with Arsenal a few times, especially earlier on in the season when they were trying to find their feet. There was times where you look at it and you're like, you're allowing this striker too much space to have the option to shoot and score against it. But like you're leaving the gap is just widening and that was definitely the case for that goal on Saturday it's the case as well once Bizet's got the ball there's only two defenders left you wonder where the fullbacks are in this case they've pushed up so high that it's left all this space at a team like Tottenham whose whole style works to punish teams that do that Mm. you're always asking for it in that point oh 100% they were and it's obviously something Jonas Oderberg will address after, well, I don't know whether he's done it over yesterday or today or whether he'll address it after Did you see that he was, like, he seemed to take air on his mic mm. <laughs> in the end. Did you not see it was weird? He was just like offended the microphone was in front of him. <laughs> uh, very strange situation. But yeah, uh, first ever WSL victory for Tottenham against Arsenal. Needed victory for Spurs as well after their past couple of WSL games. So, a uh, nice way to end 2023 for them. Yeah, uh, I just wanted a last note on Arsenal. It's come to me. They almost seemed like they were stuck in the crossing mode again. Because it felt like they were panicking a bit towards the end. They were just desperate for a goal. They just go just crossing balls in left, right and centre, which we've already seen this season. It hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they ended up with so many forward players on the pitch as well. Like Blackstinius was on, um, Chloe Lacasse was on, Vivian Miedema was on. Like it just seemed to get to a point where he was trying to do anything to get that goal, but it just didn't work for him. Yeah, the desperation. And once they come back off the winter break, Arsenal, they'll know they have to get back to winning ways if they are to save Eddie Tolls. Hopes it's not. It's not over. Like that which should be stressed because it felt like the reaction after the game from Arsenal fans was, oh, that's it. It's done. Mm. It's not. It's three points. You could absolutely beat Chelsea again. And for all you know, Chelsea don't beat like a Man City again. Yeah. Or do they lose to Manchester United somewhere? Although, get to that. I mean, just looking now <laughs> you know I mean? at Arsenal's fixtures, the, it's the back end of February into March, which would be really season-defining. So... 17th of February, they play Man United at home. Then the 3rd of March, they play Tottenham at home. And then the 17th of March, they travel to Chelsea. So I think that period is where it's going to be really season-defining, not at Christmas. Yes, obviously, losing to 
Spurs is never good and being three points behind a Chelsea team that don't really drop points that regularly, it's uh, not ideal. But it's after that period, late February into March, when we can really say whether Arsenal's title challenge is gone out the window. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, we'll move on, I think, now. Um, it's Christmas. I'm, I'd like to think I'm a nice man. So we'll, we'll leave it... Uh, do I? Do I want to talk about Liverpool, Manchester United, really? I mean, we might as well get it over and done with. You sure? Yeah. You sure? You feel that you're that way? You don't mind me being as ruthless as I can be at times? No, you go ahead with it. Oh, it's a good thing, because I was anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Hines with the second half goal that won it for Liverpool, their first ever WSL victory over Manchester United, and they did it at Lee Sports Village as well. What happened? It was a sad day for you yesterday. I mean, just straight up, Manchester United's home form is appalling this season. Five points? I didn't realise it was like that bad. Yeah. Five points from five it's games. Great. Scored 10, conceded eight at home. For a team that's trying to challenge for the title or get into the Champions League places, you can't be having home form that bad like it's horrendous I mean you're watching that first half and you're like Man United should have been at least 3-4-0 up before the Liverpool equaliser because the amount of chances that you were creating but just weren't finishing them at all I definitely agree it seemed like Liverpool didn't they didn't start well they were very very sloppy defensively it was quite, quite scrappy as well some of that defending and somehow you know, it didn't punish them. Mm. All right. Obviously, they get that early goal uh, after some great work by Leah Galton on the left wing, and then the ball manages to find its way to Elatoon to put United 1 0 up. But then they just didn't capitalise on that. Like, they struggled mm. to beat, uh, break Liverpool down again. Like, they had a few chances, but similar to Arsenal, they had the chances, but they just weren't taking them and they weren't clinical with the few they had. I mean, uh, Ella Toon had a few chances. Melvin Mallard had some as well, and they just weren't really testing Teague and Micah too much. Yeah, it almost felt like Liverpool were starting to find their belief a little bit after they obviously started a bit scrappy, then came through and they're finding their flow a little bit, and then they get the equaliser. Mm. It was we originally thought Emma Kovisto had the goal potentially with her arm. Although replays now suggest, not, they don't suggest, it's definitely clear. Millie Turner, it hits her head. Yeah. It's an own goal. That little, yeah, that, always controversial. But what was going on with United's defending? Non-existent, that's what it was. It's just poor. I mean, Koi Visto, very dangerous in the air for Liverpool and for Finland. United should be able to deal with it, but they just won't. And then, obviously, unfortunately, hits off Millie Turner, goes past Erps, and then... I think after that point, Liverpool just gained the confidence knowing that they could actually get something here against United because United just didn't respond in the same way. And Liverpool just grew in confidence as the last 10 minutes or so of the first half played out. And then as the second half went on, you could see Matt Beard's side have a lot of confidence in the way they were playing. Yeah, belief grows from having a lot of the ball and creating the chances. And a lot of those are coming from set pieces, which Manchester United were not dealing with. Mm. And they didn't 
deal with it for the second goal, the ball comes in. And somehow, Taylor Hines has managed to hit it in with a knee. It's just evaded so many Manchester United defenders there. Yeah, again, poor defensively from uh, United. I think if they had someone on the post, that wouldn't have gone in. I mean, one of mine and... Uh, could you, be, you could just say, oh, maybe someone shouldn't be letting that ball come for her. Oh, yeah. But it's one of my growing uh, annoyances with not just women's football, football on a whole is two things mainly, and I'm not including VAR in this talk for once, is from set pieces, defenders not being on the front and back post because the amount of times that you see goals that go in on the post, you know, like, well, if a defender's there, that doesn't go in. So I think that's the case with the Taylor Hines goal uh, yesterday. And the other one is these short goal kicks. How many times do you see a team make more than five passes before they lose the ball again? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, but I would also say it's on the opposition team to then punish those errors. Oh, yeah. And if they're not doing that, then that's that's a mistake for them to, to work on. Uh, yeah, as you said, Taylor Hines... The goal that puts them ahead. Poor defending. Mark Skinner was not a happy man <laughs> afterwards. It was a damning reaction about the desire, the mentality to win headers, just just win the ball in general. You could say missed opportunity for Manchester United here. It's a big missed opportunity uh, for them because victory there would have moved them uh, onto 22 points. Level on points with City and Arsenal. No, sorry. 21 points they would have been on. A point behind City and Arsenal looked a lot much better. I mean, I think United's title race... Well, I say I don't think it is. I, I know it is. Their title race is over. Like Compared to where they were 12 months ago, they look a completely different team and not in a good sense. It felt like as well, JC, when she comes on, She's added a lot more creativity to the team, but it's it feels like it's almost too late at that point. Mm, I mean, she got subbed on, was it the 70th minute? 73rd minute, her and Nelson come on at the same time. And 2-1 down, you're like, come on, you need something. But I feel like if she came on at the same time as Garcia and Williams did, then United maybe had a bit more into it. But yeah, it was very poor from United. Uh, obviously. Towards the end of the game, um, Gemma Bonner going down with a nasty-looking injury. Yeah. Oh. Colliding heads with I, Rachel I, Williams. I winced. Yeah. I mean, as soon as she went down... I winced like, in that moment. That was horrible. It was her arms up as well. I was like, yeah. ah, no. Yeah, like, you could tell she was knocked out straight away. And then I was surprised they didn't actually force her to go on the stretch because she did not look right when she was walking whilst under the assistance of not, one Liverpool medical staff. Well, they kept United. showing her as well. It looked like she'd gone 10 rounds with Katie Taylor. Yeah, it was not a nice thing. Um, as of Tom recording, that, there hasn't been any updates from uh, Liverpool side as to the full extent of that from uh, Gemma Bonner, but obviously, hopefully, she can make a speedy recovery and be back for Liverpool post uh, this winter break, which is obviously good news for her in that sense is she's got like a nice month to prepare before uh w well the fa cup and wsl is back yeah like if there's someone who's grateful for a winter break it's her like she just get ice packs yeah <laughs> just up against just watching christmas movies hopefully mm-hmm. uh don't know where we want to go to hopefully a good christmas movie actually although 
very small bar that is any for a good christmas movie and it's technically not a christmas movie but one that's always on his cool runnings oh oh this is going to start an interesting debate what's more of a christmas movie cool runnings or die hard oh god uh i'd say die hard's more of a christmas movie the answer's neither. No, so, neither um, are. Moving but... on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. I'll hold that to my, my grave. Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. It's just set at Christmas. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a Christmas film. By definition. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, you... What is the best Christmas film, though? Just out of interest. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'll have to come back to you on that one. Mm. Uh, it, most people say Alf, but... I don't like Will Ferrell. I don't know. I need to be in the mood to watch that. I think Home Alone is what... Home Alone, I guess, is. But I've seen that film so many times now, I'm just like, oh, again? Really? I, don't, I don't know whether I've ever seen Home Alone all the way through. You you don't watch movies. No, but like, so... I mean, I've watched some movies <laughs> all the way through. I don't know why I've had this conversation. Yeah. Anyway, back to the football. Yeah, uh, that was a nice tangent. Um, <laughs> Chelsea atop. For Christmas, they beat Bristol City by three goals to nil. Very straightforward. This yeah. it felt like Bristol City did try to to just not be pinned back in their own half, but it was always going to be a very difficult match against the champions. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea needed that bounce back win after uh, a poor midweek against um, BK Hacken, and then obviously losing. Uh, to Arsenal last weekend, you knew Emma Hayes' side weren't going to allow any slip-ups this time round. First start for Hannah Hampton in goal, so it was a bit of a surprise there. No yeah, Anne Katrenberger like... <laughs> or Zachira Mosevich. If there's a team you're going to give her a debut against, Bristol City would be that one, and it, it felt like Chelsea were resting a couple of players for the Champions League anyway. The front four of Wright and Kirby, James and Samka all went off uh, during the game as well, so... A lot was thought probably went towards that game in the Champions League midweek. Yeah, and just a thing on Chelsea goals. Lauren James, firstly, round of applause. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely superb that was. That's glorious. And then Erin Cuthbert's volley as well. A right. pristine superb. goal. And I'd also thought Lauren James almost scored a lovely second goal as well. It just swerved, but... It hit the top of the bar. It was very unfortunate for that one. Mm. As said, Chelsea, they end 2023. First place in the WSL in Emma Hayes' last season. Couldn't have asked for much more, really, other than being, well, a few more points clear. And obviously, uh, Neve Charles not getting sent off. Yeah, but if you think about it, she might just only miss the FA Cup match. Yeah, it's just a one-game suspension because it was a second yellow card. Did you clock there's quite a few red cards this weekend? A lot of the double really? yellows as well. <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking, screw this FA Cup match. <laughs> I'm yeah, having well, a month off. All the red cards this weekend were double yellows, which is very strange mm. and unheard of in the WSL. Uh, but yeah, overall, Chelsea, very convincing. Uh, good to get back to winning ways. Bristol City slipped to the bottom of the table because of... Uh, results elsewhere but they're definitely not down and out because of how close that battle is going to be uh for survival in the wsl they're not and uh, we'll talk about other result in question 
Leicester City won, West Ham United won. Leicester City, we have a problem because <laughs> you can't hold on to a lead. I don't know what's going on. You don't want this team walking your dogs around Christmas time because you'll never get your dog back, honestly. They are they can li- hey, they can lose my dogs all day long. They're, they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't understand what is wrong with them. They can't hold on to a lead at all. I mean, Lena Putterman puts them ahead 68 minutes. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be it. They're going to get the win. We're into the 90th minute start of extra time. Yep, that's it. Leicester are going to win it. West Ham then go down to 10 after Howard Sissoka gets two quick yellow cards. You're thinking, okay, you've got the player advantage. You're going to hold on to it. Nope. Three minutes later, Hanaka Hayashi equalizes for West Ham. And we're back to the same old same old with Leicester not being able to hold on to a lead, dropping two more points and, yeah, not looking good for Willie Kirk's side. I can't even lie as well, seeing the equaliser in the highlights, wasn't even that good a goal, was it? <laughs> no. Did she even head it? It was just, I don't even know where he came off. He actually just seemed to hit her. Really no, it looked so poor. It looked mm. like it went in in slow motion as well. Yeah, he really did. I only saw the highlights, confession. For this one and what i'm hearing leicester didn't actually play the better out of the two that west ham maybe were unfortunate not to get all three points willie kirk was talking afterwards now decided they're ready for a reset which is probably about right something has gone drastically wrong from now in the first two games of the season i mean i don't know what fixes it all but yeah, it's a very Just strange defensively. <laughs> is it as is it as simple as that? Could be, or is it something like a change of formations needed so they're not so like pressing forward with their wing backs of uh Janice Kamen and Courtney Nevin? Do you play them like more defensively and play a different style of football and hope that can work out? Will they be uh in the market in January? You've always gotta look back to a year ago they were in a very almost a similar spot they were losing games left right and center they needed points and in this case nowadays it's just we just want points again and yeah have they got to be just more compact i guess learn to manage games better mm, i mean the signing that changed it for them last season was obviously bringing in Janina Leipzig on loan from Bayern Munich then at the time and she definitely helped Leicester out in the second half of the season but they feel like they need just something else to change them for the second half of this season. Yeah, so they could just work on new ideas where, as I say, manage their, just manage their games better because that's all it is really. They're not playing terribly. They've got the points so far to stay away from the relegation battle. Yeah, five points clear. Yeah. Like, we've said this on multiple podcasts. They've got to be careful with how many games they lose. And mm. I keep repeating myself here. <laughs> just manage games better. Definitely. Put that so. on a slogan. Just in the dressing room, manage games better. Mm. Play for the full 90 minutes or 100 minutes, however long it may be. Just stay concentrated. Yeah, uh, move on again. Uh, there was the two the two other games. Everton won Manchester City for ruthless City again. 
Bunny Shaw, another hat-trick. She has nine for the season and ends the calendar year as the WSL's top goal scorer. She's, again, just incredible. There's nothing else we can say about her. Yeah. I mean, the whole City team looked different class uh, in this one. They just took it to Everton from the get-go and it was just easy walking the park for uh, Gareth Taylor's side. I mean... Khadija Shaw getting the first one after nine minutes and then within half an hour you're 3-0 up. That's game done and dusted. You don't need to do anything else for the rest of the game. Yeah, and they did sort of peter off a little bit because Everton were finding a way back in a fourth and second off. They definitely improved. Get the round of applause back out because Aurora Garley, oh my word. <laughs> that was a finish and a half, that was. Bellissimo, as the Italians say. Absolutely bellissimo. <laughs> But, uh, oh, glorious. And then Bunny Shaw got the perfect hat-trick in the second yeah. half to make it 4-1. Yeah. Um, again, Everton, I've said it from the off this season, I, they've got 11 points um, further away from the relegation zone, but I, I, I do worry about them still. Like, I really do worry about them. Like, if Leicester, Villa and Brighton can get on a run, in 2024, Everton, I just feel like are going to be dropping down the table. I mean, they've only scored nine goals this season. Only West Ham have scored fewer than them, and they've conceded 19. Like, it's not good reading for uh, Brian Sorensen's side. Yeah, you'd wonder what they would do over January. Do they maybe make a couple of transfers here and there if they can? We don't well, really know. Guys. They're going to have to replace Nicolene Sorensen because that was her last professional game yesterday. She's now retired. So they're going to need to replace her, and that's a massive loss. And then as well, um, I still feel like they, obviously, with how late Gabby George left in the summer to go to Manchester United, they weren't able to really replace her. And then I think the overall depth of the team just isn't as good as it should be. I mean... Um, missing Emily Ramsey for a few weeks after she got injured against Liverpool in midweek with a, I think, ankle injury, if I remember correctly. Um, but then you look at the rest, if you look at the bench from yesterday, so they had Alyssa Ahern, who's on loan for Man United, Emma Bissell, Megan Campbell, Tony Duggan, Libby Hart, uh, backup keeper, Caroline Ollison, and Annie Walding. Like, that isn't a good enough depth for what this Everton, Everton team should be doing. Like, it's very worrying, and I'd, ex- I'd expect the Toffees to be active in this window coming up. Mm, questions for them to work on over the winter break. At the last WSL match that happened, a narrow win for Carla Ward's Aston Villa. Thank the Lord. <laughs> That's all I wanted at the good Christmas, just a Villa win. And it was nice to see them get it. Adriana Leone with a very nice solo goal, I thought. She's a, so far in the corner, and then she's just drove towards the penalty area. No one's open, so she just has to go herself. And it's gone in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- she had a really good game uh, throughout that whole 90 minutes. I thought she was by far Villa's best player. Not saying right. much, but this may have been one of the best 90 minutes we've had all season. Yeah. It was, she seemed to finally found like her place in the Villa team in this game, and like, got everything that needed to go her way did go away again a bit of a worry for uh villa is on the injury front because obviously 
uh, normal goalkeeper Daphne Van Domsler was missing from the game due to uh, concussion, so they didn't have a sub-keeper on the bench. And then... Yeah, that's uh, a nightmare. <laughs> that's not the worst thing you can have. I mean, it's so WSL as well. <laughs> like <laughs> It is. It's, it's the most WSL thing you can think of. Um, but yeah, Villa holding on for the win. Um, positive. Because I brought in only named four subs. Well, yeah. I mean, again, not very uh, good. Katie startup backup keeper, and then Tatiana P- uh, Pinto, Lee Mengwen, and Yulia Zagota all of me, with two of the four coming on in the end. So it's a good job there wasn't more injuries for them. Yeah. And brought in again, it was just inconsistency that they've had this season. Mm. I think both these teams have been inconsistent. For the majority of this season, but it's Villa who who won this one. Four points clear of the bottom now. And uh, nice very Brighton. Yes. Yeah. I'm satisfied as a Villa fan. I take it. It's nice to end what has been, a, I guess, a mixed year because it started so brilliantly. And you're thinking, right, this team's going to go places. And it ends mm. in, it, it ends nicely with a win, but overall it's gone a bit, a bit meh. But we hope 2024. Yeah things will turn around again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a quick look at the table for the final time in 2023. Chelsea lead the way with 25 points from their 10 games. Then Manchester City on 22 points. Arsenal are also on 22 points, but it's goal difference that separates the two sides. Manchester United in fourth on 18. Liverpool also on 18 points in fifth place. Again, goal difference is the big separator there. Then Tottenham in sixth place with 15 points. Everton come next, then Leicester City, Aston Villa, Brighton and Hove Albion, West Ham United and Bristol City bringing up the rear. Again, I think looking into 2024, we're going to have a close uh, race for uh, the title potentially. And I think relegation also is going to be a very close battle. And I think this January window is going to be very interesting to see what teams do in terms of strengthening their squads. Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue as well. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's not really many big moves that have already been mentioned. I feel like there's obviously been rumours around Mary Earps. That's just gone to my head. There's all the stuff that coming up again about her moving to Arsenal. And, I'm, you know, are Arsenal going to actually like spend the money that would be needed to to get her in? But that's something we can get to if, if it does come to fruition. I mean, just my personal thought on that. I don't think Man United would allow that to happen during the season. I really think it'd don't. be more not mid season. I would rather lose her on a free then. Again, that's another big player they'd let go to Arsenal for nothing. I think though they'd need to get in like I mean, Fallon Tullis Joyce has done well in the game she's played so far, but you don't want to be losing a keeper without having another replacement ready in January where I think if you can get this to the summer then I think that would be a better option. As, well, there's obviously, she could also extend her stay at United, so there's no no ruling mm. that out. And Mark Skinner didn't seem to rule that out uh, yesterday in his post-match press conference well, of these games. Because yeah. so, in United, you, you're desperate to have someone like Mary Earp still at the club for as long as possible, but mm. it, it just feels inevitable that she leaves at this point because she's a, well, the, the best goalie in the world. She needs to be at a club that's going to win trophies. Or at least realistically give her the best chance of yeah. achieving anything. Right now, Definitely. Manchester United are not that. 
No, they've gone back from where they were 12 months ago. I mean, if we were having this conversation a year ago, we would say, no, she's 100% not leaving United, looking great in the league, doing well in the FA Cup uh, when they got to the final and then obviously ended up finishing second place in the WSL. Now, 12 months on, fourth place in the league, no Champions League football because obviously they got knocked out before the group stages. It remains to be seen how they do in the FA Cup. So... There's obviously that weighing up on Mario's mind, but who knows what happens. Plus, with Arsenal, they have got the limit of um, players they can have on their squad registered, so they'd have to have some outgoings. It's going to say, because that's been mentioned as well by Jonas Ardival. He's talked about players coming and going in January. That looks like it's going to be pretty likely as well. Yeah, I mean, the one name that I keep seeing popping up in terms of departures uh, would just be alone is uh, Gio Kirosh. Obviously, she hasn't mm. featured much this season. Uh, and I, well, I think it wouldn't surprise me if she actually goes permanently in the summer because her time at Arsenal just hasn't yeah, gone yeah. that well so far. Um, For her career, basically. Like she's a young player. She needs to be playing games. It's not happening in Arsenal. No, definitely not. Um, I've seen one name linked as well. There was rumours around... USA defender Emily Fox potentially as well. That's an interesting one. They do need right backs. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Laura Wienreuter most likely to miss the rest of this season as she steps up her recovery from ACL. They've just got uh, Noel Moritz playing there at the minute and Emily Fox, fantastic defender. Mm. Uh, one of the best uh, fullbacks there is in the game in the, at the minute and I'd be very excited to see her come to the WSL. Yeah. So it's Merritt who's playing right now. Most of the time we actually see Kate McKay fill out there as well. But you would gather signing a right back would mean McKay and Steph Catley can fight it out for the left back spot. And allow McCabe to play more in her, her usual advance like role than uh, what she's been doing at the minute. Yeah, and uh, not many other rumours that I've seen gone around, but I'm sure they will come sooner as we get to um, January, we'll, we'll definitely be active over the winter break. We'll be doing a lot of updates. We'll have videos out discussing who could go where, maybe. Are there any rumours? Mm-hmm. You'll and obviously, cover that, I'm sure. Definitely, I will do. And obviously, Spurs confirmed uh, Wang Shuang uh, will be joining them as well. signing for them, actually. Yeah. Never mentioned that, yeah. Uh, she was at the stadium on Saturday, presented to the uh, crowd, and yeah, Good signing for Spurs getting the Chinese international uh, into the team after her spell over in the United States. It'll be interesting to see how she feels in. And Robert Willem also seemed to say that they will be making some more signings as well in the winter window. So I'm expecting probably most of the teams, maybe not Chelsea uh, in terms of incomings, but I think everyone else will probably be busy busy this uh, winter window. It's going to sound Chelsea, if they're going to sign anyone, it'd be a younger player they think that the next administration can can work under. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But uh, no, there's not much else transfer news. Uh, we could talk normal news in general. There's only been one thing, and that happened today, and it's pretty big. Um, Barcelona coach Jonathan Giraldez is leaving at the end of the season. He saw what Emma Hayes done and think, well, I'll do that as well. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... There was some rumours going towards the back end of last week, I think Thursday, Friday, that he could uh, 
reportedly be leaving, not extending his contract, which is up at uh, the end of the season. Uh, and it was confirmed today by Heraldish in his uh, press conference that he will be leaving at the end of the season. I mean, it's been a fantastic uh, spell for him. Like, I think he's won like 95% of the matches he's been in charge with. Obviously, won yeah, the Champions League. <laughs> won the Champions League with them. Like, they've just obviously continued their phenomenalness like they were under previous manager Luis Cortez. Um, I mean, they're going to win La Liga this season. It's going to be hard for anyone to yeah. stop them. So can they go out on a high and win the Champions League again? It, it wouldn't surprise me if they do because they look absolutely phenomenal. In terms of the Champions League so far, only one team has really matched them, and that's Leon. So you'd think that it'd be them two again, potentially far mm-hmm. to go unless they end up getting drawn against each other somewhere. Yeah, definitely. So um, there's been some rumours as well going around today as to where his next destination is as well. Yeah, you'll be thrilled with this one, I'm sure, because yeah, <laughs> you have a bit of affiliation for the Washington Spirit, and the rumour is that they're going to offer him five times his salary than what he's earning at Barcelona to become their new coach. Like, bring yeah, in the money. I mean, here comes Show me the, the money. money. <laughs> here comes the money. Money, money, money. Like, whew. I'll just Michelle Kang, show me the money. <laughs> yeah, she is balling recently. Jesus. I mean, if that is true, I, I mean. London City Lionesses as well in the championship. Yeah. She's building the empire. Mm. Slowly becoming the Thanos of women's football. Overtaking the empire. But I mean, I feel that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, that Jonathan Heraldish to watch. Become an investor with NSWE. Esports. <laughs> Come in as a partner. I don't mind. Uh, but on um, the heraldish stuff potentially to Washington Spirit, that is such a big coup if the Spirit can get that off because obviously leaving Barcelona to head to the States isn't obviously something that happens uh, a lot and it's one of them where you think, wow, something must be big if to tempt you away from uh, Barcelona to head stateside. Like, yes, the NWSL is obviously one of the biggest leagues and uh, will always be one of the biggest leagues because of how long it's been going around. But to leave Barcelona and everything he had there to go to a new environment, go to a Washington Spirit team that had a bad 2023 uh, season, it's um, going to be very interesting to see how he does there, if he does eventually go there. And obviously, what are they going to do for the first couple of months? Because uh, the season starts up in March and he'll still be coaching Barcelona at the time. So I don't know what's going to be going on with that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until you said it. Yeah. Oh, so hmm. maybe just a caretaker until obviously he, it, like, obviously it's not confirmed yet. You feel like they will wait maybe until then they'll announce someone for the for the short term, and then Heraldes takes over when he's available. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see like what position if he does go in there, what position the team are in when he comes in uh, on the first of July if he's able to obviously go there straight away. Yeah, but we know he's going into a team that's got a very good squad available. We know that much. 
as mm-hmm. that's for that's for sure. Uh, the only other bit of news that's happened today: Eileen Gleason was named the Republic uh, the Republic of Ireland head coach on a full time basis after she was in charge as an interim for their Nations League campaign, which went pretty well for them. Seems an I mean, alright appointment, I guess, for Ireland. I, I don't know much about her, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it was a bit of a surprise because not many were expecting her to actually take the job. She seemed to rule herself out um, initially that she wouldn't want to do it long term, but they've now given her the job to oversee. I mean, the statement didn't say how long the contract was for, whether it just be, because it said until 2025, like the European Championship. So whether, obviously, depend on how they do uh, for the qualifiers for that, would she stay? for that whole tournament should the republic of ireland qualify or would she go if they don't qualify that obviously uh remains to be seen uh but yeah i mean perfect nations league for republic of ireland i believe they won all six of their games and have been promoted to uh league a from league b so she's done well in the time that she's had there and let's see how well uh the rest of her time goes in charge of uh yeah, she's passed that first test of the Nations League. Can she take them to another level and get them to the major European Championships? Time will, time will tell. Uh, that's that is all, I believe. We've ran out of talking points now for this week. It's not our last podcast of 2023. Oh no, <laughs> because next week, or maybe next week, before the end of the new year, we will have one podcast out. We're still debating what that actually is going to be. I was going to say that's brand new news to me. Yeah, that's why I I had a bit of a perplexed look on my face then. Uh, Before we finish. I think the initial plan in my head is best moments of 2023. Just go for a few things that we like this year. I I also want to do a mini review of the USA Netflix series. I haven't started yet, but I'm going to. And I'd like to, if there's anything decent to talk about in that, I'm down. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Fair enough. Uh, before we do wrap up this week's podcast, Champions League match day four on Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, uh, that's, that's pretty week. big. <laughs> that's pretty yes. big to me saying. So it's the reverse fixtures of what happened last week. So we got uh, Roma PSG, Ajax Bayern Munich, BK Hacken versus Chelsea, Real Madrid Paris FC on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we have Eintracht Frankfurt, Benfica, Barcelona, Rosengard, SK Braun, Olympic Lyonnais, Slavia Praha versus SKN St. Polten. Uh, Barcelona and Lyon could book their places into the quarterfinals with victories this week. And Group C, the group of death, is well and truly alive. Bayern Munich currently top five points, Roma four points, Ajax four points, PSG three points. So that is the group to be looking forward to watching this week. Yeah, very intrigued about the Roma PSG game after PSG just beat Roma, who haven't lost in the league this season. So it's an interesting mm. one to, to keep an eye on. And Chelsea as well, they've got to get a win in their group. Yeah, definitely. Especially with Pierre, uh, Paris FC potentially coming knocking on their door. They're there. <laughs> They're doing it again. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Women's Football Talk on both for all the latest news and stories from around the world of women's football. Make sure you check out our website, 
londonsfootballtalk.substack.com where we'll have plenty of articles out as well over the Christmas period and into the new year as well. And We're going nowhere. Uh, exactly. And subscribe to Women's Football Talk YouTube channel for uh, plenty more talk around uh, end of year stuff, looking ahead to the January transfer window and whatnot as well. So plenty to come from us still and we will be having a big 2020 well, if there's one well. thing we can add as well with the youtube channel we just hit 900 subscribers we're so close to the 1000 milestone if people want to go check that out maybe subscribe that would be the best end of year present ever definitely so 90 shill. <laughs> 95 away from hitting 1000 mark so let's get there as soon as possible in the meantime, uh, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Brad, and we'll see you soon. Bye.